0: Welcome back into the Royals Farm Report. My name is Joel Penfield. Normally I'm joined by Alex Duvall, but today uh, it's just going to be me. I'll be joined by a guest later in this episode, but Alex and his wife welcomed a baby boy into the world in the middle of the last week. So Alex is going to take a couple of weeks off, as we mentioned on the last episode get some much needed family time and adjust to that, to the dad life, uh, cheers to him. And, and congratulations, uh, we all at the site. And I know every one of our listeners are very happy for him uh, as he enters this new chapter of life. It's fantastic. And I couldn't be happier for them. I look forward to having him on again here in a couple of weeks when he gets the go ahead for management, that's for sure. Uh, but on this episode, we're going to highlight some of the, uh, some of the key performances and standout performances of the week across the system. And then on the back half of the show, we're going to be joined by a friend of the show, a three-time guest now, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, who is absolutely lighting it up this year. Talk about the uh, the adjustment and uh, the jump that he made to Double A, where he really hasn't missed a beat. He has been uh, the same type of hitter that he has been all season. Uh, it's one of the best stories in all the minor leagues, probably would, or in, at least in the or- the Royals organization, and. It probably would be among the best if it weren't for guys that, you know, or his uh, teammates, you know, guys like MJ Melendez who today it was announced that he is moving up to triple a, uh, the team officially made the, the announcement. He'll be going to Omaha. This was a long time coming. This shouldn't be a shock to any Royals fans, uh, especially people that follow the minor league system and are plugged into our site that MJ has been amazing this year. There's no two ways around it. Uh, and to see what he and, and Nick Prado who's going to join up in AAA uh, have done this year it's remarkable and it's a testament to their hard work as well as the hard work of guys like Alex Zumwalt and Drew Saylor and what they've been able to do to reinvigorate and absolutely you know light the you know help these guys light the world on fire uh, the the hitting development cannot be overstated how amazing uh, it has been but i mean MJ we we talked to him a couple of weeks ago and he talked about how you know, it did kind of light a fire under him that you know he had been playing well and probably deserved promotion with Bobby Witt Jr. and and Nick Prado. Uh, but that didn't come. More of a roster crunch type of thing. But now, I mean, he went on to then he was the Double A Central Player of the Week for the two weeks after those guys went up to Triple A. He was the Triple A or the the Double A Central Player of the month over the month of June or July, in which he hit 333 with a way to runs created plus up around near 212 homers he proved that he was ready for the jump to AAA, a and i couldn't be happier for him and just like we've seen with nick prodham bobby witt jr who haven't skipped a beat at all in AAA, a uh we should expect no different from a guy like mj so it's going to be very exciting for to have the, all three of those guys in the lineup gives royals fans a little bit of a glimpse of the future of what the middle of this order could possibly look like here in a couple of years uh, as early as next year even so i couldn't be happier for mj after talking to him a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's a, an impressive young man. He really is, and uh, to see this pay off for him, uh, it's it's well worth it and well uh, well deserved. So, congrats to him, and I look forward to see what he's going to do in Omaha here, starting in a couple of days. Uh, some other guys, uh, just to talk about the Triple A team really quick. Bobby Witt Jr., guys, he's almost getting better. And Alex and I talked about it that he probably wasn't going to miss too much of a beat. And Nick has been the same way. But Bobby. His strikeouts, it's a much smaller sample, but the strikeouts are down. He's hitting for a little more power. He's slugging over 600. Uh, the way runs created plus is over 150 on the year. I mean, 23 homers, 67 RBIs, you know, a, a strikeout rate around 22%. You'll, you'll take that. And it won't be too much longer until I think he's in Kansas City. I think he's, at some point, the Royals are out of it enough that they might just call him up just to see what they have and get you know get fans in the stands in September. I know I'd be there if I knew Bobby Wood Jr. was going to come into town. So I, it, it's not a shock. And what he was doing to to the Columbus Clippers this week, just bludgeoning the baseball all over the place. When he would, he hit an opposite field homer over the high wall in right center, and you could hear the announcer just like, and it's gone. Like they were just tired of what Bobby Wood Jr. and Nick Prado, for that matter, were doing to those to those Columbus pitchers. So you know it was a good week for those guys for sure. Another guy I want to highlight here uh, is John Rave. And he's a guy that, you know, he's a 23 year old in high A. He was part of the uh, the same uh, 2019 uh, class as Vinny. And, you know, the strikeouts are, are significant. I mean, he's, he's striking out nearly 30% of the time. That was a lot higher uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's brought that down a little bit. And it's very, it's been talked about a lot that the Royals really don't have a, a marquee center field prospect that's close that can be part of the next group of guys that are going to be ready to compete here hopefully within the next two years you know I think Eric Pena could be that guy but he's a few years down the line he's only 18 years old still in the complex league there's anybody that could break out and be that type of guy that has the tools to be that guy that can run down balls in center field and be a you know a presence in the lineup is a guy like John Rave. He has the tools to be that type of guy. And the last two weeks, he's been incredibly impressive in the last couple of series uh, against uh South Bend Cubs, and then I believe it's Cedar Rapids, uh, the Cedar Rapids Colonels there for the against the Twins. Five homers, uh, slashed 442, 489, 907 for a 1396 OPS. Later runs created plus a 265. Now that's 165% better than league average. I saw a 465, five homers. Uh, and the speed, you know, he's got enough speed. He's good glove in center. The only thing is if he can cut down on the strikeouts and he's shown a little bit better approach. He's not walking nearly at the rate you'd probably like for a guy that's, you know, kind of speedy, got some pop there, you know, kind of like a Kyle Isbell, maybe a little bit faster. If he can start to put things together and have a really nice year, you know, end of the year where, you know, he cuts that strikeout rate down, maybe another four or five percent, you know, he'll be a 24 year old in double A, but it wouldn't be surprising to see him start to knock on the door a little bit further and be assert himself as that guy and prove himself, hey, I can be somebody that can play center field at Kauffman Stadium on the next winning Royals team. And there's anybody that can do it right now that's currently in the system besides maybe a Kyle Isbell. I think John Rave has a very good chance to be that guy if it's somebody in the organization. Talk about a couple pitchers. Uh, John Heasley had a good start this week. Five innings, nine strikeouts, only one run, four hits. Uh, On the year, he's been kind of up and down, especially over the last couple of weeks. uh, Given up seven home, he had given up seven homers in his previous three starts, so getting knocked around a little. I like Heasley a lot. The stuff is electric when he's on. Uh, commands it just well enough to where, you know, he's he's got a big league profile. Uh, whether he's a starter, I don't know. But the stuff is going to play, it's just a matter of where it's going to. And I still think a move to the bullpen is pretty likely, but to see him start this year, you know, he's eating up a lot of innings, you know, a lot of starts that are five, six innings. Yeah, he, he had a couple of rough ones in there the last couple. So a good bounce back from John Heasley, and uh, hopefully he can ride that wave as well. And then Ryland Kaufman. Uh, Another good start for him. Uh, Only gave up uh, one run. It was on a homer, but seven strikeouts, no walks. Uh, Encouraging the way he's commanded the ball, three walks in his previous four starts uh, after having three walks total on a start on uh, June 15th there uh, against Myrtle Beach. So another encouraging sign for him. And, you know, I want to see him move up. He's a 22-year-old in low A. I'd like to hopefully see him get a bump here soon. Uh, And he's a guy that I really like and has – it has the potential to be a back end starter for this for the Royals here in a couple of years. The stuff is really really good, and I like what I had. What you get in him a lot. I'm I just hope he can continue to put it all together because the stuff is really there. Uh Pitching to about a four one ERA, a fit was around four three. So he's pitching to about about where he's at right now. Hopefully he continue to to move things forward and and be a part of the next Royals team here soon. That's just a quick recap, a couple highlights of some some guys this week. Um, You know, you're probably going to hear about Bobby Wood Jr. again, but why wouldn't you at this point? Nothing else. It gets you excited for the possibility to see him uh, here in Kansas City very soon. Uh, On the other side of this break, we're going to talk to Vinny Pasquantino, someone Alex and I are very high on, had him number 21 in our midseason prospect rankings. Uh, A little aggressive, but a guy that we really believe in and is proving – uh, that he can be a bat that can be in the you know in Kansas City by 2023 with the way he's he's hitting this year hits the ball really hard hits for a lot of power and he's not striking out and not really swinging and missing either for a guy that's got a massive power profile. You just don't find that. So I'm curious the adjustments that he's made this season and what that jump from high A to Double A is like. A lot of people talk about that being the biggest jump that you make in the minor leagues and he's really not missing a beat in production. So, and, you know, it, it's super exciting what he's been able to do and I can't wait to talk to him uh, on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. I'm now joined by now three-time guest and your Royals Farm Report number 21 prospect in the organization, AA first baseman, Vinny Pasquantino. What's up, man?
1: Joel, how are we? How are you doing?
0: You know, work's keeping me busy, and this is my only outlet to keep me sane, so I'm doing all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not really in practice of how to, we talked about this last time too, but I'm used to hosting these podcasts now, so I'm used to asking you how you're doing, not necessarily you asking me how. I got to get back in shape. It's almost podcast season. Uh, as the as the actual baseball season rolls down, Alex is all over me right now. about <laughs> Alex Fuse uh, is all over me about when we're going to get started. So I, I'm getting my mindset back for that.
0: There we go, man. That's awesome. So we're recording this on a Monday. As you know, throughout the minor league season, folks, uh, Monday is an off day for everybody. And then it's six-game series after that. So how's your off day been? Are you like a, I want to get out and like do stuff I can't do during the week or lay in bed, sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing?
1: Uh, Pretty much a little bit of both. I went to the pool today. So that was my exciting my exciting moment of the day. And then I just got back from dinner. So I really I really try to take advantage of being able to go to dinner at normal at normal eating hours since we don't get to do that during the week, other than, you know, mm-hmm. late night food. So I try to do that every Monday. I try to go sit down somewhere and, you know, grab something to eat.
0: Yeah. I, I'd imagine that the routine of having the off day every Monday has been pretty nice. Like I because I can't imagine the like I have, you know, we have a game every day for the next 15 days and we get one off day and then seven or eight more games after that. Like, I'm assuming that routine is pretty nice to have.
1: It's definitely easier to get into a routine. Uh, We always joke about it. It's super nice having six straight games at home that you know you're going to have. And on the other end of that, it sucks knowing that you're going to be on the road for a week straight. But uh, so we just always joke about that, how one is so great and then the other is just eh. But you know, I think we'll trade off uh, having having the full week at home for a full week on the road. But but yeah, it's it's definitely easier to get into a routine. I can't even really remember what it was like to not have just six straight games and then an off day. I remember one time in 2019 we had 22 straight games. Right now, where I'm at, <laughs> where I'm at, I cannot imagine having like where I'm at mentally. I can't imagine going 22 straight. Just because right now you're able to kind of lock it in for six straight, and then you know take it easy for a day.
0: Is there any baseball in the mind at all on a day like this, or is it like full mental reset and just go back and lock in in the morning tomorrow when you head to the yard?
1: Uh, I think it would be hard for anybody to say that they don't think about it at all, because especially because it kind of goes two ways. If you have a really good day on Sunday, you're like, man, I wish we could have had a game today. I could have kept it rolling. And if you have a tough day on Sunday, it's like, "Oh, this off day. All I'm going to do is sit here and think about my day so either way you're you're still definitely think about it and when you live with all the guys on the team you just constantly talk about it uh you try not to but there's always just something oh remember when this happened remember that happened whatever even when you're on the golf course there's just always something to talk about when it comes to baseball so i think physically everybody tries to take the day to not think about baseball as much as your body can but mentally you know it's always on your mind i mean this is our job this is what we love to do so if we weren't thinking about it all the time uh, you'd probably question us just a little bit.
0: Yeah there's no doubt about that. I mean I think about baseball 24/7 but it's not my job and I don't make money doing it so <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm just a crazy person but I kind of knew that at this point. Um, we'll go back let's backtrack a little bit so again we talked to you at the beginning of the year playing for the Quad Cities River bandits and I mean you watching what you did this for those guys was remarkable. I mean, and that and that group as a whole was just a wagon. I mean, y'all y'all were. I think they're still like right around thirty games over five hundred, just killing it. You know, with a really good chance to win the high A Central title. And to talk about your experience with that group and being around that kind of winning culture, you know, really early on, you guys hit the ground running and really haven't stopped.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really special group. Um, I'm not going to go throughout and name names because there'd just be too many too many people. I mean, you've seen that lineup. You've seen that pitching staff. There'd be too many people for me to, for me to name. Um, but yeah, I mean, just top to bottom, that's a really special group who from day one decided that it was going to be super important to win games. And as going into my first full season, that was a really cool thing to see happen. It was almost like a college atmosphere where you show up to the ballpark, ready to win a ball game. Uh, and that was super exciting. And they're, as you can see, they're still doing it now. It doesn't matter if I'm in that lineup or not. I mean, that team knows how to win, and it's really cool to watch. I still talk to those guys all the time, pretty much every day, kind of seeing what's going on. They've got a really good coaching staff. I mean, I don't, I don't think I could say one bad thing about that team if I wanted to. Um, it's just, it's just one of those groups that it just from the beginning, even from spring training, we were talking about how good that group could be, and it, it seemed to have worked out so far. Obviously, they're there's going to be a playoff. So it's not just a regular season thing. So they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to play in the playoffs and try to win a championship. And that's a super exciting time for them. Kind of, you know, as we hit the final six weeks of the season they're, I think they are 11 games up right now, which you would think they'd be able to hold that lead. Obviously nothing is, nothing is a given, but if they keep playing the way they're playing, they should be able to, you know, gear up for the playoffs in a good way.
0: Yeah. There's no doubt. Alex and I talked about it before the season that, Obviously, there was going to be some buzz around the double A club at the beginning of the year, having Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, MJ Melendez all there. But we were really intrigued by what the high A team was going to look like. I mean, you had you, Michael Massey, John Rave, Sully Matias, um, you know, uh, Asa Lacey, you know, just to name a few guys. And we were right in our thinking of this team is really fun to watch. And you guys just played a really good brand of baseball and they're still doing it. I mean, even when you left the lineup, like Massey just went on a tear as if he wasn't already. And then John Rave has really turned it on the last couple of weeks. Sully, God, when he runs into a baseball is something special. Um, I'm gonna ask you a really dumb question. What's watching his BP like?
1: Uh, It's unbelievable, I guess I would say. There's, (laughs) There's just some guys when they hit the ball, it makes a different sound. And he hit a ball in Beloit, uh, when we were playing the Marlins high team that I don't think p- many people saw it go over the fence. It was hit so far. It was just one of those things. And I mean, when that guy makes, makes contact, everybody stops. People don't run. Uh, if you're on the bases, you just kind of watch. He doesn't run because it's just the pitcher just asks for a new ball. It's just, it's, it's a mesmerizing experience to say the least.
0: I don't know if you saw it, but he hit a ball. I think it was last week uh, in quad cities uh, over the batter's eye into the Mississippi river. And that we've had multiple people that we talked to at stadium that have been to many of those games. You know, the uh, Josh Franz and the photographer, who said, I've never seen a dude hit a ball there. during."
1: I can't even remember in BP. I remember maybe two or three times somebody in batting practice, hitting one off the batter's eye, not very high off of it. So the fact that he could clear the thing, is just – I mean, that's a 480-foot shot to center field. At and least, It's just, yeah. It's just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, just to even think about going over that batter's high is just, is just crazy to me.
0: Yeah, it, it, the power has always been there. It's just a matter of whether he can stay on the field, and hopefully he can do that because, I mean, that power is going to play at any level. Mm -hmm. And I, and he's so fun to watch. And when he's on, like he is right now, I mean, there's not many better players in the organization.
1: And a lot of people will talk about his power and everything like that. But to me, what the coolest part about Sully is, is he's an unbelievably nice guy. Oh yeah. Uh, You see him every day. He puts a smile on your face. There's a smile on his face. And to me, that's almost more important than the power. Uh, Oh yeah. Just because I'm in the clubhouse with him and everything. So everybody knows about the power and everything. But one thing that I think people don't know a lot about him just because You know, you see what's happening on the field is how nice of a person he is and how much he cares about his teammates, which is just a really cool thing to see.
0: Yeah, and that's something the Royals always put a premium on. You know, Mm -hmm. just not only having good baseball players, but having good people that are a part of that. Like that that does factor into the culture that the Royals try and instill and build, even at the you know, the low minors. Like that's something that really does matter. So you have obviously a, a fantastic year in high A. You finally get called up to double A. What was that feeling like? The, to know that you had played yourself into that to that role, moving up into the to you know one step closer.
1: Yeah, it was it was really exciting um, when my manager Chris Widger told me he I wear his sunglasses uh, on specific days depending on how the clouds are because he has way nicer lenses than I do so he lets me wear them. <laughs> and after the game, he asked me to bring him into his locker, like into the lock into the coach's locker room, which he had never done before. So I thought that was a little bit suspicious. And I kind of went in there and he said, hey, you're not going to be needing these anymore. You're, you're headed down to double A. So that was a pretty cool moment. And he's a him. Andy LaRoche are two coaches that I've had since 2019. So it was really cool for them to kind of be the ones to tell me that I was moving on. And when I came back out in the locker room, everybody was kind of looking at me all funny. And, you know, and then I told the guys and they were really excited for me. And that was one of the coolest coolest moments was just seeing that there was actual real excitement on other people's faces when I was able to get called up to double a so that was a really cool moment and I'm glad that team has just continued to be even better um, since I left I mean I keep up with those guys every day and seeing what they're doing is just really cool I check I check to see if they win or lose every single night after my games um and yeah just again that's a really cool group yeah.
0: Alex and I, we, the thing is we knew probably right around the same time you did, but nothing had been officially announced yet. And I really wanted to text you like, Hey, congratulations. But I didn't, I wanted to wait for the official announcement. Cause I didn't want to root for you, ruin it for you. Cause I didn't know when you found out. So mm-hmm. I was sitting on a like, mm, I really want to tell Vinny, but I, I didn't, I wanted to say congrats, but you know, I, I once I saw that official announcement went across I'm like, okay, we're good. He's in, he's in Springdale. We're good to go.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, the Royals had tweeted that Bobby and Nick had gotten uh, called up to AAA so I think people kind of saw the writing on the wall without the announcement of uh, me going to so that was pretty cool and then to be able to be able to go up with my teammate Jimmy Govern was a, a really cool moment too because we came in together in 2019 he was up in AAA that week before we had gotten called up because they needed a they needed a guy so he had gone up there and then they told him he was going to have a home in in A the following week so we were able to go down together uh, we met up we're living together right now with Clay Dungan. Um, and so that was, that was an awesome moment too, to, to be able to move up with a guy i come into the organization with. So yeah, super exciting.
0: So then you get up to double a, your first game, you're playing the Tulsa drillers at one Oak field a, a field. I spent a lot of time at when I did my, my scouting gig in 2019, I lived in Stillwater about an hour away. And you just happened to, you know, go bridge in your first double a at bat. Were you thinking I get a heater, I'm just gonna swing as hard as I can? Or what what was going through your mind in that first at bat?
1: Well, it was interesting. I was really nervous, as anybody probably would be, just playing with a new group of guys. You know, double A just has a like casual baseball fans know what double A is. So to me, that was kind of the thing. It's like, oh wow, this offseason when people ask me where I played, it's not gonna be, oh, I was in rookie ball, it's you know, three or four levels below double A, and then having to explain it, you know, you say double A, and most people know know what that means. And I grew up on double and triple-A baseball in Richmond. We had a – it was a triple-A team with the Braves, and then it got moved to a double-A team with the Giants. So I was always going to double-A and triple-A games, so it was pretty cool that I was playing in one for the first time ever. And it was a doubleheader in a game where it technically happened in May, I think. So my first double-A hit slash home run came on a day that I also played in Quad Cities through statistics. <laughs> um but yeah, my first at bat, I basically just said, I need to get some swings off because my heart won't stop racing. So I saw I saw a fastball and I took a good swing at it and luckily I was able to make good contact. Uh, and the ball went out. Somebody sent me a a message after one of my best friends and said that I have now hit a home run in my first game with a new team in my career. In Burlington I did it, in Quad Cities, I did it, and then at Double A I did it. So I guess hopefully If I move up at some point here over the next few years, hopefully that trend can continue because home runs are cool.
0: Home runs are cool. Uh, That's a feeling I wish I could have had and never came close. (laughs) But so it's talked about often that the biggest jump in the minors is from high A to double A. It's, you know, it's probably the biggest jump overall in skill, production, everything. What do you think has been the biggest adjustment for you from jumping those levels mid season?
1: It's hard to say because it's only been three weeks. So, you know, I'll see Tulsa for the second time here in two weeks. I'll probably have a better answer then as they have scouted me. I've scouted them and we kind of do the whole thing again. I think if I had to put it on one thing, it seems as if the, not necessarily scouting reports, but the approach from both hitters and pitchers seem to be a little bit more on the trend of not necessarily development, but getting a result so when you're hitting you're not just trying to develop either your approach or your swing you're you're trying to get a hit as you always are but well, you know especially it's more from the development side of pitchers it seems like at the the younger levels i'd say it's more fastball predominant because guys are trying to learn how to locate a fastball whether that's in rookie ball whatever it may be and then as you get older, you know, guys have that fastball command and are able to now command the second pitch or the third pitch or the fourth pitch. And then from a hitter's perspective, you have to learn how to now hit those different pitches that they're able to throw 2-0, 3-1, 1-1, whatever the count may be. So I think so far the biggest difference for me is, you know, if a guy is nibbling on the outside corner because that's a scouting report against you, when it becomes 2-0, he's not just going to try to throw a strike. He's going to keep trying to go to that certain area. And normally when they try to miss, they try to miss outside the zone, not down the middle. So, you know, it's not all about necessarily just throwing strikes. It's about throwing effective strikes and effective balls. And so far I think that would be the difference. And it's not like guys in high or and low air and rookie ball aren't trying to do that. It's just here. There's more of an emphasis on don't let this guy hurt me here. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing that I've noticed, but that could change very quickly. Uh, how, you know, just as I see it more.
0: So. Alex and I have talked about this as well. And your, like your profile, like obviously we're big stat nerds and you text me stuff about stats because you're not necessarily that guy. You just want to go out out I don't know baseball.
1: what any of them mean. <laughs>
0: but, hey, and there, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you're just like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to hit the ball. And the results are what they are, which I think is, you know, there's, there's a balance between wanting to know that stuff and then paralysis by analysis, right. And overthinking, mm-hmm. because you don't want to do that in baseball in general. But it's so unique looking at your your stats and your batted ball profile because you're you hit the crap out of the ball for one thing, like and you hit for a lot of power. And often the you know what correlates with that is a lot of swing and miss and a lot of strikeouts. And you don't do either of those things. I think Alex and I looked it up and when you this was we still when you were in high A, but I'd imagine it's still the same thing that guys that hit at like your, with your home runs, ISO, like all the kind of the power stats correlates with the strikeout rate around 25 to 30% or higher. You're the only, like you're striking out maybe 15, 16% of the time. What is it in your approach that you're able to not swing and miss as much when you still have that kind of power? Like it's just one of those things that like in today's game just doesn't match. And it's, and it's not like what you're doing is bad at all because, you're not swinging and missing at pitches in an era where guys are swinging and missing and striking out at a higher clip than ever. So what is it that you're able to do to still get to your power, but not, you know, swing and miss or strike out trying to get to that?
1: So, and this might be a hot take considering the way the game is right now, but I hate striking out with an absolute burning passion. I hate it so much. And that's my opinion and my opinion only. Uh, I don't really care how other people feel about that. Um, But I hate it because I feel like you've just been absolutely defeated as a hitter. You've given yourself no chance if you strike out. Um, And I've always grown up with that mindset. And I think when I was younger, I didn't develop real power until my junior year of college. Uh, Up until then, I didn't really have much power. So I had to be, I had to be a line drive contact oriented hitter because I couldn't just miss and still hit a ball out. I considered my misses to be home runs, um, in a weird way. I wanted to hit the ball on a line. And if I missed up, it was a Homer. And if I missed down, hopefully it was hard enough to get through. And I kind of still have that mindset knowing that I do need to get the ball in the air because I'm not the fastest person. I don't think I'm the slowest person, but I know that it would be tough for me to beat out a ground ball to the second baseman where I'm likely to hit more ground balls than anywhere else because I'm left handed. Uh, but I think the way <laughs> to answer your question, I have a certain approach that I have for each pitcher that I'm about to face. I try to stick to that plan as well as I can. And if I see a pitch I like, I try to go after it and I try to hit it as hard as I humanly possibly can to still be on plane. To have everything working right with the bat, with the barrel, with my hands, with my legs, whatever it may be. And I'm not thinking all of this when I'm in the box. When I'm in the box, all I'm thinking is, all right, everything's go. I've done my homework. This is the test. There's no more time to think. Swing, see ball, hit ball.
0: Swing and hit it hard.
1: I love. And that. then the two strikes, I choke up, I spread out, and I'm still able to get some of my power because I'm still. It's not like I'm not swinging hard. I'm still. And I don't prefer to use the word hard. I try to use the word quick whenever I can. Like whenever I'm giving lessons, I tell kids, don't swing hard, swing quick. Because if you swing hard, it's going to be a lot more effort. There's probably going to be a little bit more swing and miss in there. But basically I look at it as if I can even just hit, you know, if I can work a long at bat and put the ball in play, that's more of a win than if I can work a working at bat and strike out in it. Because at least – if I put the ball in play, a guy might make an error and I can get on base. And if I'm on base, I can score a row. If I'm not on base, I can't score a row. So even though that might not go for my on-base percentage or give me a higher chance to get a hit or whatever it might be, that's how I feel. And that's, that's the baseball I like watching. I like watching when guys are doing whatever they can to get a hit, whether it's grinding out of bats, whatever it may be. Laying a bunt down, if whatever. I might be a power guy. Bunts are not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a super contact guy and a, or a quick guy by any means, but basically my approach is I try to go up there and I try to make it as hard as, hard as humanly possible for the pitcher to get me out. And that's what I try to do.
0: No, I love that. Like I said, it's a very unique – and I hate to think that it's unique because it shouldn't be. The I hate striking out, so I'm going to do everything in my power to not do that. Like, and it's wild that that almost is a a lost art nowadays. Well,
1: and, and and I can probably tell you why it is. It's because pitchers are throwing things now that are just so hard to square up mm-hmm. at, a, at a harder like they're so it's so hard to hit the ball hard because of the stuff that they're throwing. So the thinking would be, okay, I need to I know the strike zone now. I need to almost make the strike zone smaller in an area that I'm looking for. And if he throws it there, based off the scouting report that I have on a guy. If he throws it there, that's the pitch I hammer. And if he never comes in there, I cannot give him anything. Oh, I, think, I, don't yeah. want, I don't want to chase. I don't want to do this. So that's the thinking is I can do more damage is if I'm looking in a smaller location, which I completely agree with because that makes way more sense, right? If you're looking in a smaller area, you see the ball there, it's probably easier to hit.
0: Yeah, and it's one of the like there. There's a you know kind of a balancing act to it. Like pitchers Mm -hmm. are throwing nasty, throwing harder and nastier stuff than we've ever seen in the sport. And hitting a baseball is already hard as it is. So like the old saying I learned, I knew in high school was if you don't like the curveball, hit the fastball before it. So I'm going to try. If he misses in the zone, I'm just going to swing as hard as I can and try and either put a ball in play or hit it out of the yard. So I don't get to O2 and he can throw that ridiculous curveball or whatever that pitch is, you know. So yeah. That there's a balancing act to it with it. And I've never seen anything above like 85. So I am just t- talking out of my ass most of the time, but I can understand the, you know, the approach. And hitting a baseball is really freaking hard. Like <laughs> it just is.
1: Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, you have guys that are early swingers. You have guys that like to get deep in counts. Like there's a lot of guys who are really good hitters with really good vision, really good discipline, who get to full count all the time. And then a 50-50 pitch may go their way. It may not go their way. That could be the difference between three walks in a game or two punches and a walk or something like that. I mean, it's such a thin margin of error as a hitter that, I mean, anything – you could have a great day at the plate and not get any hits. You could have a terrible day at the plate and somehow get three hits, and it looks great. It's just one of those things that – Baseball doesn't make any sense for the most part. which <laughs> it is what really doesn't. Which is,
0: But that's also what makes baseball great is that which it doesn't make sense.
1: Because yeah. we, we talk about it all the time. You'll you watch a guy in the big leagues hit a homer and they'll show the exit velo or something. And I think the average exit velocity on home runs this year is 104 or 105. You can still hit them out at 90 miles an hour if the wind's behind you. And that, that 90 mile an hour homer still counts the same as that 120-mile-an-hour homer. It's still one run or however many people are on base. So it's just one of those things. If you just compete and are able to get the bat on the ball, anything can happen.
0: It was like watching that Joey Gallo home run the other day where he hit it 48 degrees and it landed like in row two of that Cracker Jack box in Yankee
1: Stadium. Mm -hmm. Counts the same. Counts the same. And the ridiculous thing about that home run is he hit it 110 miles an hour, I think. Joey Gallo just doesn't make any sense. To be able to – like, so the hard – the hardest hit balls are typically ground balls that are going not straight down, but almost like knee level. Traditionally, those are the harder hit balls. And then as you go up, they get slower and slower and slower. The fact that he can hit a ball at like this angle, at like you were saying, a forty-eight degree angle, that hard is just that blows my mind. It's that, it's that can insane. Happen. It's absolutely insane.
0: So. Thing is, let's go to one of your teammates in Double A, who actually just got the call today. If you're listening to this, uh, MJ Melendez called up to AAA Omaha. You only spent a couple of weeks with him, but you were hitting behind him in in the order there. What was it like? What from the on deck circle watching him do what he did, especially the last couple of weeks? I mean, 12 homers in in July alone, uh, three homer game in there as well. Um, you know, what, and what was it like just watching him work over the last couple of weeks?
1: It's really exciting watching him hit. I mean, when he steps up to the plate, it's one of those things. I think about the video game uh, where Matt Baskersen would used to say, like when A-Rod would come up to the plate, be like, this is what the people paid for, for this matchup. That's kind of how it felt like every time he came up to the plate. And that guy, what I think is so special about him is he can turn nothing into something in a heartbeat. A pitcher might think that he has him beat. He doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't matter. He could accidentally get blown up by two fastballs or swing at two curveballs in the dirt. That at-bat is not over. And with a lot of people in baseball, the at-bat will be over at 0-2. Um, you can just tell. But with him, it does not matter. Every single pitch, he's a threat to take you deep. He's a threat to hit a ground ball to the left side and through through a mini shift that they have. And, I mean, he's just dangerous at the plate at all times. And it's, it's special watching him. That guy never checks out on at a bat. He never gets cheated at the plate. The videos of his home runs are hilarious where it looks like he's Ichiro running out of the box and he's hitting him 110 when he's still one handed. I mean, that it's just special watching him play. And it's super exciting that he just got the call up at triple a, it'll be fun to see what he can do there. Um, but I'm thankful for the time that I played with him uh, for these three weeks that I was here. And, you know, he's a good leader in the clubhouse. He's a good person to, you know, kind of model your game after. I mean, if a guy hits 12 home runs in a month, that's something that we can all shoot for.
0: Oh, yeah. Alex, and I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago and I couldn't have been more impressed with with what he had to say and the way he carries himself. Like, he just has great like baseball character. Like, mm-hmm. he just, he carries himself in such a way. And, you know, having a dad's college coach certainly helps with that. But you still, he still has to take that and then implement it. And, you know, I, I thought he probably should have gotten the call with Nick and Bobby, but there was a little bit of a roster crunch. He goes down he didn't let it get to him and he was playing even almost even better with those guys out of the lineup. Now you put those three in the same lineup in in Omaha and that's going to be really fun to watch as they, they have the opportunity to chase down a triple a title as well. Or we may watch those dudes in Kansas city here in a couple of weeks, if they continue to play the way they have. So yeah, yeah, it's been amazing.
1: It really has definitely an exciting time. That's for sure. To have that trio uh, playing together again. I mean, you saw what they did in double a I can't imagine it's going to stop, stop anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's exciting for those three guys. Those three guys have been together for a while now. So it's probably exciting for, for Nick and Bobby to have MJ back in the lineup with them. Uh, we're we're definitely going to miss him here. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So we are obviously a, a small entity and we had you in our top 30 preseason and we have you up to 21 midseason. And I told you on your whole new ball game podcast with, with Alex Fuse that within a year or two, you're going to be on a top 30 list baseball America releases their top 30 pre you know, mid season. And they had you in the top 30. I felt vindicated because I knew I was right, but did that mean anything to you? Like, is that something you think about at all? Or is it just one of those like, Oh, that's cool. And kind of move on. Well, cause you were pumped up when I sent it to you, but I'm curious, like what's your actual, like, what was your reaction to that? Like, does that, did it, was it lost on you at all?
1: So from a personal perspective, Basically, what it means is it means that some of the work that I've put in has paid off a little bit that people are noticing. Um, But also, at the same time, it means nothing to me because I know in my heart of hearts, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I think about myself. I know, you know, what I think I can do. Um, So in that aspect, it doesn't matter if I'd be ranked number one or not ranked at all uh I'm going to go out and play with the same chip on my shoulder that I'll always play with uh but from a for my family it was pretty cool for them because um my grandparents were all fired up my my brother was really excited and my parents were pretty excited that you know it just felt like I'm having a good year this is happening um and to be put on a list like that it's just a it's just a pretty cool thing to just kind of have um is it going to affect how I played? No. Is it Would it affect how I play if I wasn't on it? No. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, it's just nice to have. It's, it's just, it's pretty cool. I guess be the way i describe it, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I said it when we first interviewed you way back in like February of 2020, you know, before, you know, after you were coming off the year in Burlington and I said, like, I hope you make it because you're such a good human beyond the ball player and you had a great year in rookie ball. And Alex and I were like, this could be a guy, you know, that, you know, it's a, you know, college first baseman thinking, okay. And even coming into the area, we are like, I really hope Vinny has a good year because I'm, you know, I'm your friend. Like I want to see you succeed and that to see you succeed in the way that you have. And now other people outside of, you know, taking the, the you know, blue and gold glasses off, see that as well. I was like, yes, that's what, because it, it does mean a lot to me that you're, you know, to have you as a friend, but also to see you succeed in the way you have you get promoted. Like I thought you were going to, like, it, it really does. It, it is so awesome to see the year you're having, man. It really does.
1: I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate our friendship that we have. And it's just, it's been a fun ride so far. And hopefully it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't stop for a long time. <laughs> and, I, I, and
0: I'll be honest, man. I don't think it's going to, I really, really don't. Uh, well,
1: thank you for that. Um uh, yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's been a fun year so far. and uh, These final six weeks, and hopefully we can make a little bit of a playoff push here. Uh, We proved we could win without MJ on Saturday. So we all got on him a little bit for that. Uh, So, yeah, it's just, it's really exciting to see what's happening around the organization right now. I mean, having that Quad Cities team, being one of the best teams in minor league baseball, having that Omaha team, one, be loaded with prospects and two, be, you're winning at the pace that they are it's just it, and i think i think every team has a winning record is that right i, I haven't columbia
0: like uh, columbia has been right around 500 most of the year i think they're a little below now but you know they've yeah. been playing all right as of late i think
1: i just i just can't imagine too many organizations having all four of their full season teams be right around 500 or better um Maybe I don't. I don't know. I haven't really looked at the standings that much.
0: And it's so interesting because it's something that the Royals put a premium on: is watching and having teams in the minor leagues succeed and win championships. If you look at the core that was part of the World Series teams in fourteen and fifteen, at some point or another, I think all of them are pretty close to them that were like homegrown guys had a minor league championship under their belt, Mm -hmm. and then you know the guys like Prado and MJ and others from those uh, Lexington and. Uh, Burlington or uh, Wilmington team, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they had championships under their belt. They're trying to get those guys because that just breeds winning as you continue to move up. And the Royals really believe that they're going to be able to compete in the next year or two. And then having guys that have had success and have had, you know, know how to win, you know, even if it's a, at the minor league level, but having championships at the minor leagues, it matters to this team and to this organization. So
1: it well, would shock me to see that. When when you're playing in playoff games, even in Burlington, you know, that's. Second or third lowest level in the system at the time, even those playoff games we were playing in were intense and they were nerve wracking, and we really wanted to win. Like, those are things you learn through doing it, not through watching it or seeing your friends do it. It's something you learn from actual experience. So, I do think it's really cool that the Royals put an emphasis on that because it is important to learn how to win. It is a skill that it by winning a lot of one run games doesn't mean you just do it. Like you figured out how to win those games. You figured out how to battle back. You figured out sometimes too, how to not lose certain games where it's trending like you're going to. And it's just, you know, up and down. It's a special group in my opinion. And it's just really exciting to be involved in it right now.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know uh, it's again it's the off day. You got a few more hours, uh, you know, the rest of the day, go to bed, wake up tomorrow. Who do y'all play tomorrow or tomorrow?
1: We play the Frisco Rough Riders, the Texas Rangers double-A affiliate, who we play in spring training all the time.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, oh, you'll get to see uh, Sam Huff. That, that's right. The guy hit the ball like 120 miles an hour or something. He hit a ball 502 feet the other night. I think he hit one 520 in the complex league when he was rehabbing.
1: That'll work. Uh, yeah, that, I think, yeah. But the beautiful thing about baseball, Joel, is a 326-foot homer counts the exact same.
0: Yes, it does. It doesn't matter now. how
1: far they go all the time. It's definitely cool when they go farther, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But they all count the same.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm i a Mariners fan, so I was only slightly bitter watching that Joey Gallo home run. I brought it up because it just said, I'm like, man, Yankee Stadium's the worst.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst if you're if you're a fan or not a left-handed hitter, but it could be great.
0: <laughs> that's fair, yeah. I mean, like I said, any homer counts the same, but.
1: Although I did see a thing today that said it's not actually 314 feet to right. Can you confirm or deny that? As far as I know, it is 314. Uh, I know I it kind of juts
0: out after that corner,
1: yeah.
0: but I don't know if it actually isn't 314. I'd be I'd be surprised. I know they did it to the same
1: I, dimensions I as the old say one. Say that it wasn't actually 314. That they just did it for nostalgia, but. I, I, who knows? I don't know. You uh, can't trust all your sources that you see. No,
0: I'm, I'm looking that up after because I am curious. Because like a row one homer at Yankee Stadium, I've seen be like 340 feet. I'm like,
1: that that doesn't make sense. Well, I think that StatCast, I think that's the system that they use. It mm-hmm. says how far it would have gone had it gone to the ground level, I think. is I what know. it. So if it goes to, like if you hit it over wherever it would have landed from the same height that you hit it at. Is how I don't know that that's for a fact or not, but
0: that's I, certainly interesting though. Okay, I, I need to look that up. I have no idea. Yeah, uh, let's see. I got because you're three time guest now, so I got to think of a question here. Hmm. Who is okay? So you're a first baseman. We all know the the first base chatter that happens. Uh, you know when you get to first base <laughs> at any level. Who is the one player from baseball history you would love to chat up at first base? Like they just got a knock. Who do you who do you want to talk to?
1: I mean, an obvious one would be Jackie Robinson. So I can't say Jackie Robinson, even though that would be just fantastic, uh, just to talk to that guy. I mean, Hank Aaron would be a great one. Let me see, let me see, let me go through, let me go through history of baseball here. Who would I want to talk to? I mean, what a question. Who would I want to talk to? There's been some good first base coaches too, some good umpires. I got told the other day that first baseman and umpires have the second best relationship, which I always kind of knew, but I'm excited to know that because, you know, it's never a bad thing to be friendly yeah. with umpires. Not at all. Um, man, I think I'm going to go Ricky Henderson because I've heard he talked in the third person and I'd <laughs> yeah. like to, hear, I'd like to see what he would say at first base. If I just said, Hey, nice swing. And he responds with Ricky, thanks you. Or something like that so so uh i'm gonna go ricky henderson just to see and maybe i could learn a little bit of how to steal steal more bases from him so that'd be exciting too
0: that's a great answer yeah I've, as far as i have heard uh listening to like starting nine and stuff like yeah ricky henderson speaks about ricky henderson like ricky yeah. loves himself some ricky
1: yeah um so that that would be kind of fun
0: man i'm trying to thank him who I wouldn't want to talk to, you, man. That because it's such a good question. The one, the two that I hear always hear like in modern day baseball are Joey Votto and Freddie Freeman. One because you'd never know what Joey Votto is going to say, and two, Freddie Freeman's like the nicest human being of all time. So I've yeah, heard those well, conversations are great.
1: I was trying to think of who potentially because those guys are active, and I'm yeah. hoping that within the next ten years I can be in the major league, so they might still be active in that time. So I was trying to yeah. think of somebody who because my the go to answer would be Anthony Rizzo because the comp is always there and now I wear number 44. Um so that would be the one but I can't say him because it is technically a possibility. So
0: That's fair. Yeah. So I try to
1: stick with somebody unless Ricky makes a return then we might have to have another conversation.
0: Okay, so along the same vein as Ricky, I would probably say Yogi Berra because you have no idea what he's going to no say. Clue he's going to say something wild. Say
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I quote Yogi Berra probably at least once a week. Yeah. At least. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Vinny, this has been awesome as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of your off day. Best of luck this week. And I'll talk to you soon, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on Joel.
0: Big thanks once again to Vinny Pasquantino for coming on. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have that guy on. Obviously he's, he's so well-spoken, so conversational, such a good dude. Uh, an easy guy to root for and has been for you know his whole time he was third time on the show uh, if you haven't listened to our the, our first episode with him it was like way back in february of 2020 uh but go listen to that i mean that's kind of where our friendship and you know, our relationship with you know on the show kind of hit off so uh go listen to that if you haven't i'm so happy that to see the success he's having and to see royals fans notice what he's doing it's so it's so awesome Uh, to see the success that he's having and to see people uh, that don't know him personally, to see the, you know, to be happy and to, uh, to like what he's doing. It's, it's awesome. Uh, Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, Be sure to like rate subscribe, follow us at Royals farm. If you haven't already on Twitter, go to RoyalsFarmReport.com, post our minor league minutes every day with the day that was prior and uh stay locked onto the site because we always post uh you know little clips and stats every day during the games it's gonna be a lot of fun and uh, appreciate you all we'll be back next week talk to you later